New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Daniel Pinchbeck, and he's the author of How Soon Is Now? From Personal Initiation to Global Transformation. Daniel, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but maybe we're in a crisis of imagination more than anything else right now as we face all the ecological crisis and economic crisis and political crisis. So can you talk about imagination and why it's important? I think that, first of all, we have to recognize that you know we're very creative as a species and we're able to do things that seem totally impossible when 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 we set our minds to it. So for instance, the idea that we weren't going to be able to fly in air the airplane seemed impossible, but then the Wright brothers figured it out. A smartphone, totally impossible, then then we developed it. But I feel that we don't necessarily apply the same type of creative and, and sort of almost technical af- approach and imagination to like our, our social systems, our our ways of you know, creating relationships, our economic systems, our communities, and so on. And I feel now we need to do that because we have a very limited idea of what progress is. People think that, you know, we're going to continue financial capitalism for eternity, that we're going to always go for more technology and more industry. You know, and, and it might be the case, but it might be that, you know, looking at what's happening on these other levels, you know, we might want to think about what's truly making us happy, what, what will truly give us the best future opportunity to, to live and for our children and descendants to live also. And maybe we need to change our, our direction and our intention in certain ways. In this idea of changing our direction, do you envision this as a period of sacrifice and pain? If you look at actually what we've learned from history, in my book, I talked about a book by Rebecca Soldit called Paradise Built in Hell. And actually, when you look at a lot of times when people go through big, you know, crises or their disaster zones, they actually remember them as the best times of their lives later, partially because they were able to get out of their ego state. They became very altruistic. They took care of the people around them. So, you know, pain is a very relative thing. I mean, people go to Burning Man and they suffer. It's incredibly hot. They're thirsty or whatever, but they actually have the best time ever. So in a way, a certain type of what we could call sacrifice could actually be reimagined as like a self-actualization opportunity. You know, so for instance, if we had to do away with eating meats, some level of exotic vacations, flying around the world in jet planes all the time, you know, extra cars and houses and so on, and focus more on building local utopias. It might actually be the opposite of a sacrifice. It might actually be an incredible opportunity for self-actualization. So are you talking about looking at what has deeper meaning for us is going to be more satisfying in the long run? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a way, I think humanity rallies to having like a mission or a call or, or a collective intention or whatever. And we really don't have that now. We're just like, oh, we're going to have more gadgets and technology. You know, technology has kind of replaced uh, religion, you know, as like the thing that people are sort of counting on. But is it really, you know, m- making people that more and more happy or is it just making them more and more kind of empty and distracted in a way? Uh, I mean, we and we are facing, you know, serious ecological constraints. I mean, you know, we have uh, over 400 parts per million of CO2 in the environment, which is going to 
you know, it's increasing, which will lead to 4 degrees Celsius temperature rise and 100 feet sea level rise. And um, we're also reaching peak oil. You know, if you read the reports from, from different companies where we actually are reaching the end of the cheap oil, the cheap energy. So, you know, we, we need a period of, of profound uh, reassessment, kind of awakening, readjustment. And, uh, and then potentially we could say, okay, we're going to, you know, our, our collective intention is going to be to shift from a consumer society to a regenerative one, where we're more in alignment with the Earth systems, that'll be more community-based, and um, ultimately maybe people won't have to work so much or as hard because we can actually apply automation sensibly to, you know, reduce drudgery, to give people more time to cultivate their unique self, their unique identity. And we also realize that we don't want that just to be for a small elite group. We want that to be something for everybody. So, you know, if we're going to have all of humanity be able to experience the same types of time and creative capacity that the very few now get to experience, that would also require us to give up some things if we're part of the developed world, you know, for a little while. You know, and, and there are going to be profound changes happening to the planet, no matter what, at this point. And there's going to be a lot of readjustment. And we're going to need people to kind of become kind of spiritual warriors and train themselves to deal with, you know, refugee populations, you know, re-educating, retraining them for a new world situation and so on. So you can look at it as really daunting and terrifying, or you can say, wow, this is like a mission, an initiation, an opportunity to, to make a much better world. I mean, I don't think we should be Pollyanna-ish about it either. For instance, Burning Man, which gives you this idea of like a utopian society, and I've gotten many times and written about it a lot. But, you know, we haven't really achieved that utopia yet, so it seems a little premature to be celebrating. And actually, we should, you know, take inspiration from that, but then really figure out, you know, how do we make a world that really is, is more like that, you know, like a, a festival earth for real. But to do that from where we are now is like uh, going to require a serious um, kind of uh, investment of our, of our energy and, and, our, and our time. And particularly for young people or millennials to be like, this is a future that I want to experience. So what I posited in my book is like, all right, like we, you know, we need frontiers as humanity. We have an evolutionary push. We want to learn more. We want to know more. So what's the edge frontiers now? And I think one of them is, uh, you know, potentially space exploration, settling other worlds, you know, why not? Like bringing the biosphere with us to other planets. But another one would be the inner dimensions of the psychocosmos, which if you take psychedelics like ayahuasca or LSD or, uh, you know, DMT, you realize that we have these gigantic, uh, you know, maybe infinite worlds within us just as much as there are infinite worlds without us. And we haven't even embarked on the, on the beginning of that voyage of understanding, you know, what these realms are and what types of other spiritual beings inhabit them and so on. So I, I really look at those as like the two kind of uh, avenues for humanity to expand out into the future. So what I'm hearing you say is that there's a narrow passage to get there, and that might not be a comfortable passage. There would be sacrifice within that passage. Yeah, as, or as I said before, opportunities for self-actualization. You could see them as sacrifice, but actually if we look at these different you know, examples, we find that actually people feel really good when they're giving up something that maybe isn't really that soul-satisfying to bring about something that, that'll be much better. So how would you suggest that we inform ourselves about the possibilities, these, these creative possibilities for the future? I don't want to keep just promoting my own book, but I mean, I, my book is one example, I guess, of those. I want to emphasize that, too. In your book, How Soon Is Now?, 
there are so many resources. It's dense with resources uh, that people can look up and start to plug into and feel what it is that they want to research and follow through on. So I I do want to say that about your book. I think it's a wonderful resource. So I want to thank you for that. I mean, it's a a marvelous contribution. So yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. And Daniel, I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. Thanks for having me. I've been speaking with Daniel Pinchbeck. He's the author of How Soon Is Now? From Personal Initiation to Global Transformation. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, howsoonisnow.info. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe and invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.